All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Bill has a great message for you guys. I hope you're ready. Now let's dive in and see what he's got to say. All right. Thank you, Hunter. And uh, glad to be back with you as well. And uh, glad you're here. Uh, It's been cold outside. I don't know if you know this. Man, it's freezing around here. I remember uh, it feels like going to Chicago or something, but this is Columbus, Georgia. So uh, I remember one time, first time I went to Chicago when it was freezing. And I had never been there at the time. And I got off going to speak somewhere. And the guy from the airport picked me up. Man, I didn't know where. I thought I was in Nome, Alaska. And so he said, where do you want me to take you? I said, take me to go buy a coat. And I still have that coat to this day. We went first and bought a coat. And when I was stopped at a red light, we were, I was in the, in the front seat with him. We stopped at a red light. It's freezing cold. And a guy comes riding by on a bicycle with no shirt on. I said, now, he's lived here way too long. And so I, I like Georgia weather. I like where we are now. But, uh, but that's where we are today. We're in a good warm spot. And we're talking by Zoom on BP Leadership. Got some good stuff for you. And I'm glad that you've tuned in. I want to talk to you today for a minute about about a subject called can do, just can do. Okay, two simple words. And as Hunter mentioned a moment ago, I do encourage you to listen to the podcast. The interview with Frank went real well the other day. It was one hour there. Uh, and so I think you'll get a lot of content out of it. He actually had me do his podcast, which will be coming out in January, I believe, on, on his. And then he's doing ours, which will come out in about two weeks. But uh, it should be fantastic, good information, along with a lot of others that we have going. All right, let's talk for a few minutes about can do, okay? Um, I got the title for this because I have a friend that no matter what, I looked at a note I sent the other day and he wrote back can do. And then I noticed almost every answer he's ever given me has been can do. I said, whatever I ask him, he would just send back can do. And, and it dawned on me, that's the kind of person that I want to be known for, and I hope you do, is a can do person. Um, the, uh, the, the, the two characters we'll look at today obviously are from the Bible, guys. But the word can do is this. It's, it's kind of being in a learning position to have a positive outlook in your everyday issues. I mean, whatever comes along, it's learning how to have the right mindset. And I've always said there's a couple of things you gotta, you gotta keep in mind. Your, your state and your story and your strategy. If you can get those three, you can keep your life on track. Your state is your state of mind. No matter what happens, good, bad, or ugly, you get to control your state of mind. And if you can control your state of mind, you can control your fear. You can, can, you can control a lot of times your emotions. And so the secret is control your state of mind in every situation. And, and then not only will you state, but learn your story. You know, your story is kind of what you tell it. It can be the worst story in the world. It can be the best. But whatever story you've told yourself about yourself can either be a hindrance or it can be a help. So you want to ask yourself, what story am I telling about myself? And, and if you've had a bad situation, say, this is the reality of it. However, my story is going to be, I, I grew through it. I changed because of it. And so your state of mind, your story, and then your strategy is going to be one of the secrets to getting to where you want to go. It, without a strategy, everything else is a dream. So, so when I talk about a can-do mindset, that has to do with finding a strategy. It's the right mindset, but it's in the state of mind, but it'll help you to find the right strategy. Now, let me give you a Bible example of some people, and then we'll just dive right in, all right? In the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, the Lord tells Moses, I want you to send out for yourself some men to go spy out the promised land. And so he chooses 12 men. They all were different. They were different ages and different places in their life. 
but he tends to say to them, you go out, look over the land before we go. So they go out on this recon mission to check out what, what it's going to look like. And when they come back, 12 of them now were sent out, but 10 come back and all they saw were negative. All they saw were there's giants in the land. And in fact, in, in chapter 13, verse 28, he says, nevertheless, the people who live in the land, they're very strong. Their cities are fortified, meaning walled up. Uh, you can't penetrate that. They're very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. What he's saying now is, we saw giants in the land. So they come back and they're telling Joshua, we cannot go and inhabit that land because there's all these problems. There's giants there. Their walls are big. We're too weak. And so what they're doing is now they're already getting into a can't-do mindset. I don't know about you. I've worked with both kinds in my life and known both kinds and you know, the can do and the can't do. I work with the can't do people that it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. The first thing out of their mouth, the first response is, we can't do that. Uh, I can't do that. That's been tried before and that won't work. And I remember that I worked one time with someone that I thought, wait a minute, you haven't even heard the problem. You haven't even heard the question. And before you can even hear the problem, you're already spouting off. We can't do that. It'll cost too much. It'll be too hard. And so there are certain people like that. They just know how to kill an idea before it gets off the ground. Those are the can't-do people. But then there are people that I've had the privilege of being around that are can-do people. Those kind of people find a way. They just find a way. Uh, they, they look at a problem and they say, I believe we can make this work. And, and they, they almost love the challenge. They almost like the idea that it hasn't been done. And I'm not going to quit looking for a solution. I'm going to find a way to do it. So the difference between the two are where you and I can choose to put our mindset. Either I can or I can't, but that's what we do. Now, the Bible tells us that when they came back with that news, that all 12 went, but only two of them came back with a can-do attitude. That was a man named Joshua and a man named Caleb. Now, Joshua was a young guy. Caleb was an older guy. Joshua was the youngest of the group. Caleb was the oldest of the group. And, and they come back with a different attitude. They saw things differently. They, they saw it, but they didn't believe everything they saw. When the first came back with a negative attitude, you can't do it. These looked at it and said, yeah, we saw the same things, but we can do this. We can overtake. We can conquer. And, and what I say by that is this. I like the fact that their attitude right off the bat is saying, we don't know how, we haven't figured out the strategy, but we've determined with our will that we're going to overcome. We're going to make a way. Now, Joshua represents that younger generation. By the way, I always said in your business or your organization, you want to have both. You want to have the young and the old. The younger are full of zeal and passion and purpose, and they'll take risk, and they're radical. You need the younger people. You don't want to discount them. You don't want to belittle them. You want to, you need the younger people. Uh, and, and, and I've always said often, I'd rather bridle a wild horse than drag a dead mule. And if you have people around you that are just dead and can't do, that's what you're going to feel like. But if, if you've got those that are wild and those that are radical, that's okay. Every now and then you have to say, let's stay on track. Love your energy, love your passion. But here's the target and keep them on, on course. So the younger generation you need, but you also need the older ones around you. The older ones bring experience. They, they've really been educated in the school of hard knocks. They, they, they have many experiences they can draw from, 
In fact, you know, it was funny when, when I first became a pastor, there was an older guy that would come to the church. Now we only had like 30, 40 people there in those days. And this older man would come and I didn't know this. He'd been a pastor of a church of about a thousand people in his day. And he was about 75, 76 years old. And he would sit on the front row among the 50 people and he would nod his head and agree with me. And he just sweet as could be. Always had a great spirit. But he'd come by my office sometimes on a Monday morning. Now, I never asked for him to do it, but he would do it. And he was just lovely. I look back now and I was blessed. He would sit down and he said, Brother Bill, you know, when I was a pastor, and he'd start telling me things that, uh, you know, about his story. And I was always wanting to learn. He'd say, you know, one time, I, I one Sunday morning, I got caught up in the heat of the moment. And I just said the dumbest thing. And then he would tell me what he said. And I would stop and say, yeah, about like what I said yesterday at 11 o'clock, right? And, and I'd say, is that? And he'd go, oh, no, no, I'm not talking about you, Brother Bill. No, I, I just tell you what I, I used to do. And it was the greatest way to correct me without embarrassing me. And he just had a way. And every time he'd say, you know, when I was a pastor, and I would think, uh-oh, here it comes. And, he'd get, and I'd always say, yeah, I kind of think I got that yesterday, or I hear you. Oh, no, I'm not talking about you. And, and I... I remember when he passed away, I got to be with him at the hospital. He's a past, and he was just sweet as could be. And, 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 and I just treasure those moments that somebody corrected me in a right way, even though at that time I probably would have received it different if he hadn't done it that way. So he looked at a young guy and knew how to bring that out. I encourage you, if you got younger people around you, uh, maybe they're doing things a little different. Uh, listen to them. Correct them in a good way if you need to. Try to guide their their direction without crushing their spirit. And if you can do that, I think it'll make a big difference in how far they go and how much they learn, and in the end, how much they re- respect you for te- teaching them a truth, but doing it with a nice way. Now, Joshua represented the younger one. Caleb, the older one, as I mentioned, with a more experience, more maturity, more patience, more wisdom. I found this: the older I get, the more patient I am which I, I never was patient, and now I'm so glad. I, I like myself better now than I did years ago. Uh, years ago, I was just push, 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 get on board and get off. Here's where it and, and And I look back, man, I said, man, I, I made it brutal. For those of you, by the way, that are listening right now, and you've been on the journey with me, both at Cascade and all, for anywhere beyond 10, 15 years, I want to say to you, thank you. You could have got off a long time ago, I know I drove this bus pretty wild. We took some sharp curves and jumped over places where the road wasn't. But you stayed with me, and I, I got to say thank you, okay? Thank you. I, I, some of you probably lost hair and lost weight and prayed a lot because you didn't know where this pastor was going, but I thank you for that. You, you've been a big part of where we are, and I appreciate your grace during that time. Now, when you get older, though, as I mentioned, you, you feel that wisdom. You feel, you feel a little bit, you, you, you kind of, you, you, you can keep it steady. Yeah, you, it's a kind of a I got you feeling. I was blessed the other day by a statement that I'd never heard, but it, it meant the world to me. I went back to uh, my old hometown. I was hanging around with a bunch of, bunch of the people there. We're all older now, so we talk about what it was like in the old days. And, and there was a girl there, a beautiful girl. She'd been a high school cheerleader. And, and, and somebody said that was new there that was married to another man. She said, uh, yeah, I heard about Bill. She said, it's hard to believe you're a preacher. I heard about you as mean as you were. And, and I was like, well, I don't know what that's mean, but thank God, this friend who'd been the cheerleader that I grew up with, she said, oh, no, no, Bill was never mean. She said, he never was mean. She said, 
he'd give you the shirt off his back. She said, now nobody's going to take it off, but he'd give it to you. And then she made a statement that I said, that, Debbie, I told my wife, I said, that, that was one of the best statements she made. She said, whenever things would get rowdy and they'd almost be like a fight and, you know, all the kids from another city would come over there and it was going to get rowdy there where we were all hanging. She said, when Bill walked in the room, every girl in that room felt safe. And she said, every one of us. And, and after she said that, I thought, that maybe that's what I needed to hear. I walked away from there that night and went to the hotel room, stayed there, and then came back home. But I remember thinking, I didn't know she saw that and felt that. And, and I thought, you know, that's really what you want to do for your family, for your friends. They need to feel when you're in the room that they feel safe. And, and I encourage you. You, you know, you, you feel that way with a pilot. You get on an airplane, pilot walks on, he seems like he's flown a while, you think, oh, we're going to be good. You see that with a doctor. I mean, I don't want to be sitting down with a doctor and he's got a book, you know, you know, medical stuff for dummies and him, him reading through that. I want him to know what he's doing before he starts on me. So I, I say to you, you want, you want to have that Caleb with you as well, not just the Joshua, but the Caleb. So in every organization, you need both the younger and the older, and that'll give you balance. It'll give you progress. And I encourage you, by the way, if you've got people on your team, just begin to write down, are they can do or can't do? You know, is this person a can-do person? Is this a can't-do person? And and try to get the can't-do to think about the can-do, okay? And so that's one of the ways that I'd go. Now, here's some difference. Uh, the, the, when we come down to the two with Joshua and Caleb, uh, there's there's this other thought that I have that's called skill versus will. When I'm talking about can-do and can't-do people, skill versus will is this. Some people have the skill to do the job, but they don't have the will to do it. They They could do it. They just don't have the passion to do it. They don't, they don't apply themselves to it. And so when it comes to the skill versus will, uh, here's, here's what I, I've kind of learned. If you have no skill and no will, you're doomed, okay? If you have no skill and no will, you're not going anywhere. If you have skill but no will, you're dead weight. I mean, if, if you can do it but you don't want to do it, if you have employees or people in the organization that, they could do the job. They could do it better. But they just don't seem to be all in. The problem is, is you're carrying them. And, and you know, when you carry an employee, that's a tough thing. It reminds me of the, the guy who was golfing one time. He loved golf. And he was golfing one time. And, and his friend, Tom, died. And uh, so he comes back to the clubhouse. And he's talking to him. And he says, uh, man, it was tough today. He said, well, I, while I'm playing golf. He said, my friend Tom dies on the, on the ninth hole. And, uh, and all the guys around said, oh, man, that must have been hard. I can't believe it. He said, oh, it was terrible. He said, it was very hard on me. He said, uh, you know, I, I have to hit the ball, drag Tom. Hit the ball, drag Tom. <laughs> well, here's a guy who loves golf, but that's, that's also kind of like you may feel with employees sometimes. Man, we try to hit the ball. We got to drag this employee. We hit the ball. We got to drag this employee. And, and so... If they've got skill but no will, that's the way you feel. And they, I've heard it said this way, life alone can't give you joy unless you really will it. Life just gives you time and space. It's up to you to fill it. And what they're saying is you get to choose how happy you are, how fulfilled you are. You get to choose basically whether or not you're going to have joy or not. Nobody can steal your joy if you don't let them, okay? Let me help you with some of it. Some of you, bless your heart, somebody, one person can ruin your day, okay? They can say one negative thing and that gets you. Don't, don't let them dump that on you. I, I remember one time when I was pastoring up, you know, there was a guy that came in my office and, 
He said, we, we got a problem. And my brain is thinking while he's talking, I'm thinking, no, we don't have a problem. Okay. You have a problem. I don't have a problem. I didn't have a problem before you walked in. I'm not going to have a problem when you leave. You, you have the problem. Now, if I can help you fix your problem, fine. But I promise you, we don't have a problem. And some of you have got to get that down because otherwise people can mess up your day. You need to learn how to control only what you can control and don't let everybody else dump that on you. So I say if you have no skill and no will, you're doomed. If you have skill but no will, you're dead weight. If you have will but no skill, maybe you got a passion, desire, a hunger, you want to grow, but you don't have the skill, you can develop that. You can learn that. You can you can be around the right people. You can you can gravitate to it. You can read. You can do whatever you can do to, to learn that. There's hardly a skill we can't learn if we want it bad enough. And so you can develop. And here's the good. If you have skill and will, you dominate. When you have skill and the will, when you say, I, this is what I do. This is what I know I'm good at. This is what I know my gifting is. And then you have the will to do it. There at that point, there is kind of no stopping. So the skill and will issue is one of the things that's very important for us. And I'll put in the notes that you'll receive. We don't remember the names of the 10 spies. We don't remember those. Um, we only remember the names of the two. We don't know who the other 10 were that said to Joshua, you know, we can't do it and there's giants in the land and we're not big enough and the walls are big. We don't know their names. People don't remember the people that never made a difference. But we remember the two that did, the Joshua and Caleb. It always reminds me of the guy one time was talking. He said, you remember Tiger Woods? He said, you, you remember that guy? He As a child, he had a golf club set given to him when he was a baby. And he said, you remember him? And everybody, yeah. And he said, and, and, and you also, uh, you remember Michael Jordan? I mean, that guy could play basketball and that guy could stay in the air for two minutes. I mean, what a what a player. You remember that guy? They said, yeah. And they said, you remember John Davis? And everybody went, no, nah, I don't know John. He said, no, you don't know him. You know why? Because he quit. <laughs> so he, he was like, so we, we remember the people that hang in. We remember the people that make it happen. And, and Joshua and Caleb, we remember because of a can-do attitude. You don't forget those kind. And then there's, then there's the second thing along the line of can-do. and That is, what, what does a can-do attitude bring you? I mean, what, what will it do for you if you have that kind of attitude? I believe this. I believe it changes your performance. I believe that when you have the can-do attitude, it changes your performance. Uh, one of the things that I enjoyed the other day, listening to Frank Shamrock, and we talked about how he had these amazing fights and wins when he was the underdog. And he said, Bill, I never felt I was the underdog. I always felt I can win. There's a time he's on his back and a great big fighter is on top of him hitting him. And he looks back at the camera and gives a peace symbol and smiles. And we talked about that for a minute. He said, no, in my mind, I already knew that was going to happen. And I knew what was going to happen when he gave me an opportunity to get out of it. He said, I already replayed all that. And what I loved about it was he's basically saying, I wasn't letting that moment of stress and pressure shut me down. He had that can-do attitude, which did change his performance. Now, when you change your attitude, you change your performance. And here's the deal. When you change your performance, you change your life. When you change your performance, you change your life. Things get better. More opportunities come. Everything seems to open up when you start doing it. I tell pastors all the time, they say, well, brother, how do I, 
how do I get some of these opportunities that you have? And I always say, listen, here's the deal. If you will spend your life developing the goods, people will come to get the goods, okay? They'll come to get it. So you don't have to run out and market it as much. You just spend your life on developing the goods. It helps you, but somebody will notice it and they'll come and then you'll be able to help and benefit and bless others as well. Now, it does not only help your performance, but it also brings relationships. Uh, you, people want to be around somebody with a can-do attitude. I mean, aren't there people that when they call you on the phone, you see their name, you just can't wait to answer. And then the other people you call say, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, eh, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> and, and, and so there are certain people that just bring energy to you, and there's some that don't. Some people bring it to you so much that, by the way, 10 years later, you still remember what they said back then. I have some great friends in my life that, that to this day, I live off something they said or showed me years ago, and I say, what value they added. I'm, I'm still benefiting from what they gave, even though we haven't talked in a long time, just from back then. And, and so it brings relationships. It brings the right kind of relationships. And you want to be around somebody that is that way. When my son, BJ, was going to Columbus High School, my oldest son was, he was a little shy. He was a great student. But, but just wasn't as outgoing like perhaps as my youngest son. My youngest son, geez, he moves into a neighborhood and by the end of the night, he knows everybody in the neighborhood. He, he just can make, he goes into parties he's never been invited to and he goes into them anyway and he comes out meeting friends. I, I, I was in the hospital a while back. He came to see me in Orlando and then he went down for dinner and he came back about three hours later and he came back and he'd walked up into a party down there and he got to know everybody and, and, and I'm thinking, my soul, I couldn't do that. That's just not me. But he could. But my, my oldest son, he was a little more self-conscious. And I remember when he was going to school, he said, Dad, he said, do you have a tendency when you go into a room and all that to bless people and they like you? He said, I've never asked this before, but would you help me? He said, I don't want to go through the rest of my life the way I have earlier, just too shy. And I said, okay, BJ, here's the secret. Most people go into a room and they go in and say, here I am. And when they walk in, they think, here I am. And, and they want everybody to look at them or like them or, or, or whatever. They, they decide, do they like me? Do they not? Here I am. And I said, don't go in the room that way. Go in the room not saying, here I am. Go in the room saying, there you are. And, and if you go in the room saying, there you are, all you have to do, now don't fake it. If it's not true, don't, don't dare fake it because people will spot that. But if you see somebody who has a nice shirt or jacket or shoes or hair or pocketbook or whatever, compliment. If you see somebody who has a nice car or even just you bring out something toward them. Most people are not going to reject a compliment. They're going to turn and say, well, thank you. And then you can open a door, but always look at others, not as here I am, because they may say, who cares? Or you can go in and say, there you are. And it makes a huge difference. And so that's one of the things that can do attitude does. It also does this. It brings fulfillment. When you approach a, a, a job or an assignment with a can-do attitude, it gives you a new experience. It, more knowledge, it creates more. It's it, you can do it. I've been doing some little bitty stuff. I never did this before, but since I've kind of backed off a little bit, the church is running real well under Brent's leadership, better than I could, by the way, lead during COVID. Um, I, I never got much chance to do a lot of little things. And I bought some property with some land. So... I went and bought me some Husqvarna tools. I got the chainsaw and the pole saw and all that. I've been cutting down trees. Now, the first 10 trees I cut, I would start cutting, then I just had to run. You know, which way is it falling? And, and it didn't go where I wanted. And 
But then I just said, I am not going to give up. And I started deciding I'm going to make that tree land on that spot. And I just kept cutting until I figured out how to do what everybody else could do. I knew it could be done. It brought me fulfillment to learn I could do this. And now I'm looking around at bigger trees and saying, I bet I could top that tree. Now, I don't, I'm not going to get in the tree business. And, and right now, you know, I, I'm just new at it. But, but there's something about learning a new experience with a can-do attitude that makes you, at the end of the day, say, I did that. And I encourage you today, get a can-do attitude for yourself, okay? Uh, it, years ago, Debbie and I had stopped in a little uh, store on the way to Florida. And, uh, and you know how sometimes employees can get caught just by the rules. And I remember we went into like this little Burger King or whatever, and, and I asked this little girl for something, and I said, I think it was a cup with just ice and no water. And I remember she looked at me and just looked totally like she's going to have a meltdown. She said, and she was looking on her keyboard, and it didn't have that. You know, no, no just ice. And she said, I can't do that. And I said, pardon me? She said, I, I can't give you a cup with ice. I said, well, you can charge me for it. And she kept looking on her board, and she said, I, I can't. And so I said, honey, listen. Have you got a cup? She said, yeah. You got an ice machine? Yeah. I said, how about this? Put some ice in the cup and I will give you a dollar for it. Okay. I, I bet. And as soon as I said it, believe it or not, this girl about 18 years old went, Oh, okay. I can do that. And she went over and did it. And I remember when we sat down at the table, Debbie said, can you believe that? I said, Debbie, some people are just stuck, hadn't been trained. And if it wasn't on the keyboard, I can't do it. And, and it wasn't on the menu. I can't do it. And it just took somebody saying, have you, got, have you got ice? Have you got a cup? I bet you can. And I got a feeling that that girl that day had a little breakthrough. Almost like, I can do something that's not on the menu. And so the can-do spirit makes a big difference in your life. Now ask yourself this question as I wrap this one up. If you ask yourself this question, it may help. What would you get accomplished in your job or in your life or in your church or in your family what would you get accomplished if you had a can-do attitude? What could you do today that could make a difference if you said, I'm going to have a can-do attitude. I'm going to make that happen. And, and, and that is that little thing that shows you that that's the key that opens the biggest and best doors for your life. So remember, Joshua and Caleb did it as a lesson for us. We can do the same. I don't want to be one of the 10 guys that come back and say we can't. I want to be one of the two in the minority that says we can and we will. And I don't want to look at my life and say, is this as good as it gets? Will it ever get any better than this? I want to say, I'm going to have a can-do attitude right up to the moment we get our last breath. I want to go out saying I gave it all. And I know you do too. That's why you're here. So thanks so much for being here with us today. And I hope and pray that God blesses you. Thanks for watching. Thank you for tuning into this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Each month, we share these lessons at a live luncheon to anyone in the Columbus, Georgia area. If you would like more information on dates and times of our upcoming luncheons, you can visit bpleadership.com.